0: Next week is the Sunday before Thanksgiving, and after that we start to go into Christmas time. And so when I realized that, I also realized that I really needed to wrap up this Judges series so that I could begin, you know, putting sermons together for the holidays. So with that in mind, today we're going to be talking about Samson, and we're going to do our best to kind of condense uh, everything about Samson into this message. And so I'm not going to be really looking a lot at what happens in chapters 14 and 15 of Judges, but I want to just kind of examine Samson's character as a whole and, and really highlight the ways that he lived a life in dedication um, to God and to others, and both the good and the bad that came from that. So let's begin by looking at the start of Samson's life. In Judges 13, verses 2-5, through it says a certain man of Zorah named Manoah from the clan of the Danites had a wife who was childless, unable to give birth. The angel of the Lord appeared to her and said, You are barren and childless, but you are going to become pregnant and give birth to a son. Now see to it that you drink no wine or other fermented drink, and that you do not eat anything unclean. You will become pregnant and have a son whose head is never to be touched by a razor, because the boy is to be a Nazarite, dedicated to God from the womb. He will take the lead in delivering Israel from the hands of the Philistines. Now, the couple mentioned in these verses here were Samson's parents. And so when it's talking about this boy being a Nazarite, it's talking about Samson who took a Nazarite vow. And you can actually see all of the different aspects of the vow in Numbers chapter 6. But the interesting thing about the Nazarite vow was it wasn't a vow taken by a group of people. It was simply a vow that anyone could take upon themselves in an extra dedication to God. And that was the vow that was given to Samson to take, was this vow of dedication to God. And we see that throughout his life that he followed that vow, that he didn't allow himself to drink wine or other fermented drink, and that he never took a razor to his head because he had taken this vow. And this vow that Samson takes is very different than the vow that Jephthah took that we talked about last week. Because in the vow that Jephthah took, what was happening was Jephthah was taking that vow onto himself himself after he had already received the Spirit of God. But this was different because Samson wasn't the one that made the choice for him to take this Nazarite vow. Rather, it was the angel of the Lord that appeared that gave the instruction for Samson to be a Nazarite and to follow in this vow for his life. And so we see here this special calling that is placed upon Samson, this special requirement that is given to him by God for how his life should look. And the requirements of this vow isn't something that the rest of his family had to follow or the rest of the Israelites had to follow. It was something that Samson specifically was called to follow in, And because it was coming from God, It was then an act of obedience rather than, like Jephthah, an act of really putting oneself up. That's not what Samson was doing. This was something that God specifically wanted Samson to do. And it was the calling that God placed upon his life. And it's important to understand that there are things that apply to every believer And then there are specific things that God is calling us as individuals to walk in, and that God wants to give each and every one of us a personal calling for what God wants our life to look like and what God wants us to do. And it's important to be able to make that distinction between those two things, and to understand that that's not something that when we begin walking in that personal call that God places on our life that that doesn't somehow make us superior to other believers, but rather it's simply us fulfilling a different role that God has set apart specifically for us. And we're all still on the same team working together to accomplish the works of the kingdom of God. But individually, God is calling us to fulfill different roles and to live our life in certain ways according to his guidance and again that doesn't make us better or worse than anyone and it doesn't put us on opposite teams rather it keeps us on the same team you know just like any kind of sports team there are going to be different roles within that team that need to be filled if you take a baseball team for instance not everyone is going to be left outfielder not everyone is going to be pitcher you have different people on the team fulfilling different roles. And even over the course of someone's career, they may fill different positions at different times. And it's important for us to realize that the body of Christ is meant to look the same way, so that we aren't just looking at kind of the generic things that God is calling all believers to, right? Let's say the Ten Commandments. That we're not just saying, well, I follow the Ten Commandments, I don't break the Ten Commandments, therefore I am walking in the full will of God in my life. And although those are things that we clearly do not want to abandon, we still have to be listening for and answering the call of what it is that God wants us to do, specifically with where we're at and the gifts that He has given to us. And so we need to always be listening for where God is calling us specifically and what he wants us to do. And it may look a little different than what he wants other believers to do. And again, that's he's never going to call us into anything that goes against what his word teaches. But just like how Samson was asked to take on this extra vow of dedication to God that other Israelites did not have to follow in, That there are going to be things that God places in our life and things that God calls us to that he's not calling other people to. And we need to listen for that and be obedient in that. And to also realize that, again, just like how different players on a team will fulfill different roles at different times, to understand that just because God has called us to one place at one time doesn't mean that he's always going to want us to be there. And that's why it's so important to continue to listen to where God is calling us so that we can make sure that we haven't stepped out of where God wants us to be, even even just by staying in a place longer than we should have. It's always important for us to continually be listening for where God is calling us specifically and be willing to walk in that and follow where he is leading us to. And that's what Samson did. He did exactly what God called him to do. And we see that in the end of that passage that God used Samson to deliver his people from the Philistines. And in chapters 14 and 15, we see specifically how God used Samson to do that. But of course, a time came when Samson did fall out of the will of God and that he became dedicated to someone else rather than God. So let's talk about that. In chapter 16 of Judges, beginning at verse 4, it says, Sometime later, he fell in love with a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. The rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, See if you can lure him into showing you the secret of his great strength, and how we can overpower him so we may tie him up And subdue him. Each one of us will give you 1100 shekels of silver. So Delilah said to Samson, Tell me the secret of your great strength and how you can be tied up and subdued. It always kind of makes me laugh when I read that because Delilah is not very subtle in her approach on getting Samson to reveal his strength to her. But what continues on from this point is several exchanges of Delilah trying to get from samson the secret to his strength and samson gives her a lie gives her false information of oh if you do this then my strength will go away and then she does that to him and his strength doesn't go away and this happens three separate times where she asks for the secret of his strength he lies to her she does it and his strength doesn't go away And then the fourth time, he finally tells her what will take away his strength. And that's by breaking this Nazarite vow. Now, the really crazy part about this is that Samson didn't leave Delilah the first time this happened. He didn't leave her the second time it happened. He didn't even leave her the third time that it happened. And it's not as though they were married at this point. There was nothing holding him to her at this time, and yet he continued to stay dedicated to her, even though she was clearly not dedicated to him. And so what we have taking place here is Samson dedicating himself to something that is unhealthy, to this relationship where he loves this woman, he loves Delilah, but Delilah is allowing Samson's enemies to use her to come against Samson and so even though Samson's dedicated to Delilah Delilah is not dedicated to Samson and it leads to Samson's fall and this teaches us something really important about the idea of being dedicated to something and the the idea of loyalty Because it teaches us that loyalty, in and of itself, is not an inherently good thing. Because loyalty can bring us to a place where we have blind loyalty. Where we're saying, no matter what this person does, no matter what they say, no matter what this organization does or says, I'm going to follow it regardless. And to have that kind of blind loyalty for something is not a healthy attitude and perspective to have. We can see that by Samson continuing continuing to stay with Delilah, that that was the attitude he had. He was dedicated to her. He was loyal to her. Even though she was coming against him, he was going to stay with her. And it led to his ultimate downfall because he was allowing this blind loyalty to continue to keep him in this in this unhealthy arrangement and that blind loyalty was not a good thing it was a bad loyalty and we need to learn from Samson's mistakes and not allow ourselves to blindly follow someone or something. You know, we just had our midterm elections earlier this week, and boy, you look at our political climate and culture, and there is no shortage of examples of blind loyalty. And it really is saddening that I feel like more and more often, what we have happening is people who don't know the history or stances of the candidates, and they don't really care about that. All they really care about is what letter is next to their name. And they don't know anything else about the candidate other than that letter. And you can't criticize or question anyone that has that letter next to their name. Otherwise, you are automatically the enemy and things become heated and and nobody's listening to anybody. And it's not healthy. And it's an attitude that we shouldn't approach anything with, especially not things that matter. Loyalty is something that needs to be earned that needs to be benefiting both parties involved not a blind loyalty that says i don't want to know the details because i don't want to i don't want my beliefs i don't want my dedication to be shaken i want to remain loyal and i think too often that happens in our political climate and and that's a macro example right that's a big big example let's Use a more personalized example of any occasion where you're friends with someone. They're near and dear to your heart. You care so much about them, but they do something that you know is wrong, and they shouldn't do that. And how do we react to those situations? Do we speak up about it? Do we point out the error of their ways? Or for the sake of supporting them and and being loyal to them, do we turn a blind eye and excuse the behavior because we don't want to betray this person and we're going to be with them through thick and thin no matter what? When we do that, when we have that kind of attitude and that perspective about anything or anyone than God... And his word. Then it becomes idolatry. Because we're saying that. What this person or this organization does. No matter what they do. It's right. No matter what scripture says. No matter what the principles of God, of God is. All that matters is what this person does. And we're going to stick with them. We're going to back up this organization. We're, we're going to support everything and anything that they do. That is a blind loyalty that gets us into trouble, just like it got Samson into trouble. To not allow yourself to notice red flags, to not, to not pay attention to those signs of unhealthiness is placing those things and those people above God in your life. Because the standard of right and wrong shouldn't be who is doing the actions. It should be set upon nothing else than the unchanging word of God. And so we need to make sure that in all things and in all relationships and in all loyalties, that we are testing those things against the truth of God regularly. And not just once, right? Continually doing that to make sure that it hasn't strayed off the path. Loyalty is not meant to be blind. And I'm not advocating that we betray people that are going through difficult times, that we betray people that are struggling just because the relationship isn't fully benefiting us and it might take some time and energy on our part to help that person out and be loving to them in a difficult time. We still need to continue to do that. We don't want to abandon people who make mistakes. Otherwise, we would all be alone. But we do need to allow bad behavior and allow wrong things to be identified as wrong and not to just excuse them. Otherwise, we become more enablers than friends. We test it all against the Word of God, and we can still remain loyal to people and support them as long as we aren't placing them above God. And we need to be really careful that we don't do that. And because of Samson's blind loyalty and that really unearned dedication to Delilah, that broke his dedication to God. He was captured by his enemies. They gouged out his eyes and put him to slave labor. But that wasn't the end of his story. We find the end of his story in chapter 16, beginning at verse 25. Talking about the Philistines that had captured Samson, it says, While they were in high spirits, they shouted, Bring out Samson to entertain us. So they called Samson out of the prison, and he performed for them. When they stood him among the pillars, Samson said to the servant who held his hand, Put me up where I can feel the pillars that support the temple so that I may lean against them. Now the temple was crowded with men and women. All the rulers of the Philistines were there, there, and on the roof were about 3,000 men and women watching Samson perform. Then Samson prayed to the Lord, Sovereign Lord, remember me. Please, God, strengthen me just once more, and let me with one blow Get revenge on the Philistines for my two eyes. Then Samson reached toward the two central pillars on which the temple stood, bracing himself against them, his right hand on the one and his left hand on the other. Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. Then he pushed with all his might, and down came came the temple on the rulers and all the people in it. Thus... He killed many more when he died than while he lived. Here we see that after Samson had fallen to his lowest point, that he calls out to God and really rededicates himself to God. And and we can see that this truly is a rededication of himself to God. Because remember, God was calling Samson to get justice against the Philistines. We read about that earlier in uh, verse 5 of Judges 13, and you can see it again in Judges 14 when it's talking about how God is orchestrating this situation around Samson specifically to confront the Philistines. Samson was God's tool, God's judge, for bringing God's justice against the Philistines. That was the personal calling that God had placed upon Samson. And we see in this prayer that Samson is asking God to give back to him the strength that had left him when his hair had been shaven by Delilah, to give him that strength back so that he could accomplish what God had appointed him to do. And we know that God heard this prayer, that it was a good prayer, because the strength returned to Samson for him to be able to push the pillars down. And so Samson, after the mistake that he had made, called out to God, and God answered his prayer. And it could have been the end of the story after Delilah for Samson. That he died working for the Philistines after being captured by them. That could have been the end of the story. But here we see the redemption of Samson. That he rededicates himself back to God and calls out to him and God hears his prayer and answers it. And that through the final act of his life, Samson finds redemption. And it's an important lesson for us to remember that redemption is never out of reach. That we've never hit a point too low for us to be redeemed. And although Samson couldn't go back and change what happened with Delilah, he couldn't go back and change that. He didn't need to let his life end in the condition that it was in. He could let it end rededicated back to the service of God. And just because none of us can go back and change our past doesn't mean that our future has to look hopeless. An unchangeable past doesn't create a hopeless future. If God was able to reach out and forgive and redeem Saul, who was killing Christians and give him a a brand change, right? A name change to Paul, who became one of the founders of the early church. If God could do that for someone killing believers, why can't he do that for you? One of the biggest lies that the enemy tries to make us believe is the idea that it's too late for us. We're too far gone. We've done too much wrong or we've been involved in something that we know is wrong but it's been a part of our life for so long that we're never going to escape it. And the devil will do everything he can to convince us that it's too late for us. That that part of our life is never going to go away. And we're stuck in it forever. We can't be redeemed from it. But we need to remember that that's a lie. That Christ already did the work to redeem us from all sin. And he's already paid the price of all sin. And so it's not too late for us. It is never too late for us. It wasn't too late for Samson... Redemption is never out of reach and we need to remember and never believe that lie that it's too late. Samson, who began with this special dedication of his life to God that then allowed himself to have this blind loyalty and blind dedication to something that was unhealthy that destroyed the life that he had But just because that life was gone doesn't mean that he was beyond redemption and that he was still able to call out to God and God did an incredible final work through him. But it comes back to this idea of God having a call on our life and that there are things that God calls us away from and things that God calls us into. And so I want to leave you with that question to ask in your prayer life to God of what is He calling you to move away from and what is He calling you to move into. And that is today's Sermon in the Pocket. As always, if you have any comments or questions for me, I would love to hear from you. You can either reach out on the Sermon in the Pocket Facebook page or you can email me directly at sermoninthepocket at gmail.com and I encourage you to share this with other people, like it, rate it, whatever, you know, helps that algorithm to help get this message out to more people. But until next time, thank you for taking the time to listen and I pray that God will bless you as you go throughout your day.